Coming up on today's Locked on Bucks, the Bucks are headed to Las Vegas, punching their ticket to the semifinals of the in-season tournament. And it seems like some of the discourse has started to change surrounding this team. We'll examine that and also who may be the unsung hero of this Bucks squad, 20 games, 21 games into the season. Camille and I dive into it next on Locked on Bucks. You are Locked on Bucks. Your daily Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to Locked On Bucks. I'm Justin Garcia here with you alongside Camille Davis. You can hear her on the Technical File podcast and the Carry the G in MKE podcast. You can hear me on the Bucks Radio Network and both of us on this show daily. We thank you for making Locked On Bucks. Your first listen each and every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts and viewable on YouTube as part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's Locked On Bucks is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more right now. New customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. It's $150 if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. Uh, Camille, I know you and Frank broke down the victory over the Knicks last night, but uh, it's been interesting to me in the roughly 12 or so hours that have passed since that game ended to hear a little bit of the discourse surrounding this team and that I'm not saying we have fully turned the corner and, and swayed everybody's opinions, but it has started to change a little bit about just how good this team can be. Uh, there's a lot of yeah buts now. Yeah, but the defense is bad. But also this offense, it turns out, is very, very good. So I think it just goes to show you things are never as bad as it seems. And unfortunately for right now, they're never as good as it seems either, that it's always somewhere in the middle. Absolutely. And that's normally the case with discourse as well. A lot of the loudest voices is kind of like the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle of the two voices that you're continuously hearing. And for this Bucks team, I just think that because of how we gotten so used to watching them play, watching them operate uh, as a top defensive unit, and then seeing that so much of the roster from last year returned. So you still see Giannis, you still see Brooke, you're seeing Chris, you swap out Dame and, and Drew, which is a big swap. There is no downplaying that, uh, but you still have Pat and Bobby off the bench. So a lot of your key rotation players are there outside of Drew Holiday. And you would think like, hey, I mean, we still have two bigs behind us who could both be defensive player of the year candidates. Like this defense should be pretty good still. And it hasn't come out the case for it to be pretty good at this point. It's been a height at best, I would say, this season, even better in crunch time. But you look at the roster and you expect it to be a certain way because you've seen them operate a certain way for so long. And I think that people are starting to come around to the fact that, hey, it's going to actually look different. Like the Milwaukee Bucks are actually going to be a team that's more powered by their offense than their defense. And it's not because of lack of desire or will to execute defensively. It's personnel. Like the guys are giving what they have and what they can do. There are still things they can clean up. There are still too many miscommunications on defense. You see guys getting a little bit better when it comes to the switching aspects. You can see guys even pushing the other guy off, like go in this direction now, please. So as they continue to play together, you see them gelling a bit more. But 
Uh, it's not just on the offensive side of the ball they're gelling. It's defensively as well. And we've pulled the numbers multiple times about how the Bucks look from uh, was it the the last the first Knicks game when we went back yeah. to the drop coverage with Brooke out there, um, and then going forward. But now you can even look at it at a 10, 11 game sample size since we're 21 games into the season, that first 10 and that second 11. And you see an improvement between the two teams in that split as well. Yeah. And I, I mentioned those numbers last night on our, uh, our game broadcast. And it, it's not meant to say, uh, look, this team has fixed everything and they figured it out because I think oftentimes people can take it as that of, oh, see, the Bucks are actually good. It was more the, the point I was trying to make, because I posted a comparison to last year's numbers overall, too, is what you just said, in that you know, we kind of have to wrap our minds around the fact now that this is an offensive team, that in the past, the Bucks last year, for example, when you look at their ratings, they were close to the middle of the pack, right in the middle of the pack offensively, 15th best offense. Their defense was elite fourth best in the league, and that lifted their net rating to fifth best. It is basically what they've done so far this season in those games played since Brooke Lopez has been used in the drop. Um, so that's been, what, 17 games, I believe? So obviously not 82, but you're starting to see more of a sample size, and it's just been inverse, where their offense has been the third best in the league. Their defense has basically been league average, but the net rating is – third best in the league at, at six, twice as good as it was a season ago. And a lot of that is, is because of uh, the offense in, in that the defense was very good last year, but you know, at times you would see a little bit of a let up and it's, it's nothing against the individual defenders they have. It is just tougher to defend in this league than it is to score. So that's one of the challenges of building your team as a defensive team, because as we've seen in the playoffs every year, but 2021, very, very good offense, elite offense, is going to beat elite defense nine times out of ten. And I think that's what the Bucks ran into the most. It is. We've seen it. We saw that offense stall multiple times throughout different playoff runs. And you can attribute it to a few different factors, right? You can look at the championship season and just say, like, hey, the Bucs had to grind it out in those situations because when we had that Brooklyn matchup, it was another team that kind of reminds me of how we're talking about this Bucks team where you're like, there's offensive firepower here but can they get enough stops down the line to actually advance? And that Brooklyn team got banged up. We know how that went. The toe on the line. Everybody's tired of hearing about the big toe on the line at that point. But that's the thing I think about a lot. And I remember how I felt going into that matchup against Brooklyn, where you're like, I know we got defenders and we can defend, but do we have enough to really stop everything that they can throw at us? Because basketball at its most basic form is the offense is looking for an advantage they can take advantage of and score the ball defense is trying to take away any advantage that they possibly can the offense can have and get the ball back so they can go down and try to get their advantage and then score and it's, it's an adjustment it's a big adjustment thinking like okay in crunch time what do our defensive numbers look like in crunch time when the guys have you know five minutes left three four whatever it is to win the game can they buckle down and get enough stops when it counts to win the game and on the same tokens, like, can the other team outscore you? And I know we're going to talk a bit about the Pacers coming up later on in the show, but that's a team where you're like, hey, this might just be a track meet because you're looking at two lethal offenses going up against one another. But I think that's what it really comes down to with this Bucks team. There is still a lot of time for them to continue to grow. We have a whole trade deadline to see what might happen to this roster at that point as well. So things might not look the same uh, then as they do today. But what you can see today is a team offensively that's coming together. 
because even Dame said after the Knicks game to get here to the uh, quarterfinals in Vegas, like we still left points on the board. We could have had 160, 165 tonight easily. And I don't think every game is going to be like that, but this team has the offensive firepower to have those type of nights. And when you have that threat of that, like that's a big boost. It's almost, um, and it's as crazy as, as it is to suggest wanting a, an additional game against the Boston Celtics. <laughs> almost the shame of it, I suppose, is that this offense, is, as you pointed to, and we've talked about for the last what two weeks, is is really starting to click and, and come into its own and be everything that we envisioned it being. That was not the case. The first matchup in Boston that you almost want that type of opponent to see. Okay. And no, it's not the playoffs per se, but I want to see what this looks like against a very good defense um, with a high level of competition. So we can see what is this offense going to look like against a team with with multiple capable defenders. Um, instead, we're just going to get an all-out track meet that we'll, we'll look at a little bit more closely. Uh, not to give away too much, but I was a little surprised, and this is crazy to say as well, I was surprised that the over-under for that game is 254 and a half, which seems crazy to suggest that almost feels too low. When we just saw the Bucks score 146, we've seen the Pacers score 140 plus points, I think three times already. Yeah, 157 was the high in the league this season. So uh, it's two teams that can certainly fill it up. And that's what we saw the first time these two teams met, albeit with uh, no Damian Lillard in that game. We'll preview that game a little more closely momentarily. But uh, when we come back from the break, I do want to talk a little bit about Brooke Lopez because to me, he has been so vital to this team on both ends of the floor, not just this year, the past few years, but I think it's really starting to show uh, more and more his value to this team this season. We've heard some of those comments from uh, Adrian Griffin as recently as last night as well. So we'll, uh, we'll take a look at the impact that Brooke Lopez has brought to this team after the break. And after we tell you about FanDuel, because as the weather gets colder, the NFL deals stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's right. It's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action. The app is easy to use. You have a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on and kick off this NFL season. Again, fanduel.com slash locked on, L O C K E D O N. And that's where you can kick off the NFL season. Fanduel, official partner of the NFL. All right, Camille, I said we were going to talk about maybe the unsung hero of this Bucks team. And, um, to me, that's once again, Brooke Lopez. And you can make a strong case. He's held that title for what? Probably four years, three years now. Maybe even the year that he, he missed two-thirds of the season because you you really saw his value then. Um, but what jumps out to me is it's changed defensively in that so much of this defense was run through Drew Holiday that had to do a lot of the heavy lifting. And not to say that Brooke Lopez had the fun part, but Drew Holiday was basically running that defense, so everything was pushed into Brooke Lopez, and he got the, to be the guy that cleaned up. I think there's a lot more asked of Brooke Lopez this year. There certainly has been when you think about the lack of perimeter defenders and how much he's been under fire, especially early in the season. 
But, you know, there were some questions coming into this campaign over you're paying Brooke Lopez how much, and he's in his mid-30s. He's, what, two years removed from back surgery for a player that old. It, it wasn't uh, out of the realm of possibilities to have some pretty big concerns over, well, what is this going to look like towards the end of the year or this year altogether? And so far, Brooke Lopez has answered all of those questions. He has been, in my mind, just as good defensively this season as he was a season ago. I would agree with that. And I think one thing with the narrative around Brooke Lopez to keep in mind is just what we mean by him being a solid defensive player. Like being a great defensive player looks different. It doesn't have to always look the exact same way. And I've seen people who don't understand the defensive value that Brooke Lopez brings because he is such a dominant force in that drop coverage. Like you don't see Brooke on the perimeter. He's not switchy or athletic and fast like a Jaron Jackson Jr. type of guy. He doesn't even play exactly the same as Giannis on defense, where Giannis is that help defender kind of guy likes to come over and make those splashy plays he can play that help side but with Brooke you have a guy there who is going to be your last line of defense and you mentioned already how the defense went when Drew Holiday was at the point of attack and he's able to help funnel guys to Brooke Lopez and one could argue I mean guys are still getting funneled to Brooke Lopez now with this current Bucks team but it's a completely different type of situation now like it's it's guys are like it's not past. intentional, are you suggesting? Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's straight line drives a lot of the time. And again, it's not through lack of effort um, from the guys on the perimeter, but they're just not as good defensively as Drew Holiday was. Or even if you go back before that, how uh, uh, um, Eric Bledsoe was defensively at the point of attack. So uh, not having that when you have guys getting past that perimeter defender so easily, it puts Brooke in these two or two on one situations a lot more often where before when it was like more controlled system with, you know, Drew's able to kind of get over the screen. Eventually he's going to have a late contest. You trust in that. And then Brooke can be there to clean up if Drew doesn't get to it. But this year it's guys getting to the rim and Brooke has to play too. Um, and that's very difficult to do on a consistent basis, especially being his size. He's not the fastest guy, but he just has a knack and an intelligence when it comes to playing in that drop coverage and defending the rim that pays off beneficially for the Bucks. And we didn't even touch on what he's been able to do offensively. And the numbers don't scream out at you. It's not like he's having career highs with the Bucks right now when it comes to the offensive numbers. But I mean, the value that he brings as a screener, as just somebody communicating, it's it's outstanding. Like I, Brooke Lopez is the best screener on this Milwaukee Bucks team. And when you have a lot of shooters like your Dames and your Malik Beasley's, Chris Middleton's, having someone who can set those solid screens is really important. Yeah, he is. He is clearly their best screener. And in those sequences, I mean, it, it's been poured over quite a bit already. But the the two man game, we haven't seen as much Giannis and Dame as we all envisioned. It's mostly been Damian Lillard, and they've been running those sets with the double high screens with Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis a lot. We did see one with Giannis and Brooke after what we've probably seen that only like three games this season. They used it a couple of times against the Sixers on opening night, only a couple of times since. A lot of those actions have been Brooke Lopez and Bobby Portis, but just Brooke and Dame Lillard all together with that two-man game is what we've seen the most of, and that was one of the, the things that we kind of speculated could be the case coming into the season that, you know, there's that chemistry already baked in with Giannis and Chris Middleton, that Giannis and Dame is going to take time because it's two ball dominant guys. Whereas Brooke Lopez knows what his role is. He can pick and pop. We've seen him do a lot more rolling to the rim the last two years. 
Um, so that's been kind of an easier fit for he and Dame Lillard to figure out that pairing. And I think the numbers bear that and also the screening ability that you pointed to. We saw a couple of, of those shots against the Knicks where Brooke Lopez just creates a wide open look on his screens for Malik Beasley a couple of times. That's been uh, their most successful pairing too, is Brooke screening for Malik Beasley. We've seen that run the most on average eight times per game. And they're scoring one point per possession, which may not sound great, but that's how they've been the most efficient in those spots this season is Brooke Lopez clearing the way for Malik Beasley. So it's it's been on both ends of the floor. And, and oh, by the way, those back-to-back uh, near 30-point games that he had too. So he still has that scoring ability. It seems like we've seen these last two years too, a lot more nifty plays of Brooke Lopez putting the ball on the floor and getting to the basket. It may move at a slow pace, but... <laughs> It moves just quick enough, and and it gets the job done. Uh, So his value on both ends of the floor has just been immense to this team. And also, it's freed up Giannis to, I know Frank talked about this last night, to make more impact defensive plays. And I think Giannis's defense has stood out a lot more this year with no Drew Holiday because he's had to shoulder more, and he's been able to make a lot of those highlight reel plays that we've seen from Giannis in years past. Uh, But Brooke Lopez is second in the NBA in stocks and in steals and blocks trailing only Anthony Davis uh, by two Brooke Lopez leads the bucks in steals and blocks with the uh, 77 Anthony Davis has 79. So again, it's, it's the hands. It's not just his shot blocking ability. We've seen him poking the ball loose a couple of times as well. So we started this to, to basically heap praise on Brooke Lopez and you just continue to find more and more reasons why he's just been invaluable to this team for the last five years super valuable piece to this team. He's even averaging a career high in blocks, just blocks alone, career high for Brooke Lopez so far this season. And that comes after the slow start. Uh, It was helpful to be able to get eight blocks in one game to kind of boost that back up after the slow start. But his value, it's the Bucks need Brooke Lopez. We heard it the year that he missed where Giannis kept saying like, man, I really miss having Brooke out here with us. And the first few years here in Milwaukee, he was used primarily offensively just as a spot up threat. So he was stretching the floor out. That's the system understood. And as you've mentioned, he's been able to get a lot more plays where he's driving to the basket, get some more post touches, that little push shot that he loves to do so much. And the threat of Brooke Lopez in itself is so helpful for this team because you think of the next matchup last night. Mitchell Robinson is a defensive force. He's someone like the crash the glass, but if he's out there while Brooke Lopez is out there, he's going to have to respect Brooke's shot and play further away from the hoop. So you're taking away a key part of that defense because of Brooke Lopez's ability to stretch the floor. So his threat to do that also opens up for him to get those extremely slow drives to the rim uh, when he had, when someone closes out really hard on him. So again, between what he's able to do offensively from stretching the floor to being able to make some plays in the post to his screening ability to help out his teammates to just the fact that he also boxes out. We've talked a lot about his rebounding numbers and how they've always been pretty low, but part of it's because he's just fundamentally going to box out anybody around him and hope that one of his teammates can come down with it if it's not him. So you add all that in with what he does on defense as well as that anchor and that drop coverage. And he's super valuable to this team. Now, some might argue there's some matchups that won't be favorable for Brooke. Um, and even yet and still in limited minutes, I still feel he can give you some value in those matchups regardless. So, yeah, I'm happy the Bucks still have Brooke. Uh, was unsure how he might continue to look as he continues to age. But so far, it's it's been a thing of beauty. 
Yeah, I mean, so far, the doctor that performed the back surgery on Brooke Lopez needs to start putting out infomercials and PSAs that, hey, by the way, I'm the guy that did this and helped rejuvenate uh, his career, keep him uh, playing at an incredibly high level. You mentioned those box outs, too. I've heard people complain, too, like, why doesn't he just grab the ball? Why does he always bat the ball out on those rebounds? Um, some of them you can you can question that, but the logic, yeah, the logic is rather than Brooke grabbing the ball and looking for a smaller player or a wing player to push it up the floor, he sees it there and he's just directing it to that player so you can start the fast break and to get out in transition. It doesn't always work, but that uh, that's the thought behind it. And he, by the you mentioned his his block shots this season too, and, and what he's done in what the last 17 games because it was either one or two block shots total that he had through the first uh four games of the season um he's on pace for 226 blocks this season which would be the first time in his career he's had 200 block shots in a season 193 last year that was his career high so he everything you point to all this all the stats you can unearth he just keeps getting better and better every single year in a bucks uniform yeah, I'm glad he's still in the Bucks uniform. We almost lost him there for a second. We know that Houston was courting him, and you watch what Houston's been doing this season. It's kind of interesting to think about what Brooke might have looked like in that system, but I'm glad I don't have to figure that out because I can't imagine what this Bucks team would look like without Brooke at this point. Uh, there's already been so many different defensive struggles, and then being able to fall into that drop coverage, which they're also comfortable in, and which they have a guy who's excellent at his role in it. It's been super helpful to keep this offense or this defense at least somewhat um, average now that they move back into this particular coverage with Brooke out there than what it was to start the season when they were doing that more aggressive trapping and having him further away from the basket. So I can't even imagine what this defense would look like if Brooke Lopez wasn't anchoring it at the moment. Yeah, not to not to get too derailed. I was actually talking to uh, somebody from Houston, so maybe when the Bucks play the Rockets, it can be a crossover pod and, and topic of conversation with Locked On Rockets. Um, but we mentioned that same thing of man, I can't believe like no Bucks fans thought Brooke Lopez was going to leave, and then all of a sudden it got very early in free agency where you started to hear murmurs of no, there's a there's a decent chance he could take that Rockets deal which perplexed a lot of us. And um, this person I was talking to in Houston said the same as well of, look, we didn't get it either. I understand that we wanted to bring in vets and start winning, but I think all of us looked at, well, wait a minute, what about Alper and Shangun? Like, don't we want to develop this guy? So one of the more interesting what ifs that uh, thankfully we did not have to explore this, uh, this season is we mentioned the value that, uh, that Brooke Lopez continues to bring to this team on both ends of the floor. We will preview that matchup with uh, the Indiana Pacers and spoiler alert. I think we're all predicting a lot of offense and a very, very up and down game that we see in the semifinals of the in-season tournament. We'll get to that after the break. And after we talk to you about prize picks, it's the daily, it's the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America Easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports, that is prize picks. It is just you against the numbers. So instead of battling thousands of players, including pros and sharks, you simply pick more than or less than on two to six player stat projections and watch the winnings roll in. Basketball season's here. You can do combo projections across football and basketball in the specials league. It is a league created specifically for combo projections that include two or more players from different sports or leagues. For example, if you wanted to choose Brooke Lopez blocked shots and 
maybe Jaden Reed touchdowns, and you set the over-under on that at five and a half, you could do that. If you want to play alongside prize picks, favorite players like rapper Meek Mill and comedian Andrew Schultz, you can also do that. You can find those plays in the community plays under the promos tab of the app. View entries from some of the biggest names in the prize picks community each week. They also offer you a reboot policy so that your entries stay in play, even if your player gets injured. They're the only daily fantasy sports platform with an injury insurance policy. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. That site again is prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA and use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to $100. Do that now on prize picks. Camille, we also have to make you aware Lockdown has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Lockdown Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top stories of the day with the local experts of Lockdown, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right. So speaking of those uh, national stories, I would imagine we'll get quite a bit of run in these uh, next few days around the NBA's in-season tournament as we now move to Las Vegas. Uh, we'll preview that matchup with the Pacers and what to expect offensively for both of these teams. But I'm very curious what the atmosphere is going to be like because we've talked about how it's had a playoff feel in a lot of buildings recently. Not so much last night. I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but uh, I think part of that is the Bucks are used to winning at this point. It's also, you know, it was an additional game that this wasn't part of season tickets that you had to turn around and sell this game in about a week. And also it became a blowout that, you know, you were happy, certainly, that we've been asking for weeks. Can we just get a non-clutch game? But that took a little bit of the buzz uh, away from things as well. But now when you go to Vegas... I'm very curious to see what that atmosphere is like because it is going to be a two o'clock local time tip in the afternoon. I know there's people that are hanging out during the day in Vegas that are looking for something to do other than hang out in a casino, but it's in the middle of the day. You don't have a whole lot of time for fans to get out there. Maybe the Lakers are the only team you would point to to say, well, there's probably going to be a heavy fan base for them out here for the rest of the teams. This might be like an NCAA tournament game where it's just the team that's the biggest underdog. That's who we're rooting for. And that's the vibe that this tournament has given as well. I know the Knicks mentioned during group play that they finished their game and went into the locker room to continue to watch the Bucks game that was playing afterwards because they were they were trying to see the point differential and trying to keep track of how things were going. So I think that the league is kind of going for, you know, that tournament feel, that NCAA feel and. To your point, I think the Lakers will have the biggest contingent of fans. First off, it's the closest, you know, city to Vegas to get there. Also, of all the four teams that are left there, the Lakers are the big name. That's the marquee team that's there. LeBron, AD, LA, we understand. So I definitely expect for there to be a lot of Lakers fans. But with the Bucks having the star power that they also have, I would imagine that there's going to be a pretty good amount of Bucks fans there in the building just to see what this is like. 
whether that's from transplants, you know, who ended up in Vegas or people who just thought like, you know, it could be really fun to see Dame and Giannis. They might not be Bucks fans, but just fans of the NBA and wanting to see superstars. But there's one thing I won't question is the fact that the Pacers are going to come out and be up for this game because they have taken this in tournament ser- or tournament very, very seriously. And I don't fault them for it. I actually love that for the Pacers. I love the environment that they had at their game against the, the Celtics. Um, and just how amped the crowd was, how amped the players were in that fourth quarter as things were getting down to down to winning time. And their team started making those winning plays and seeing their excitement, hearing Tyrese Halliburton talk about the fact that we're not on national TV. We don't get national TV love. So we're taking this as an opportunity to really showcase ourselves to the rest of the world. And I love that. And I think that's also part of the appeal of this end season tournament. I think we have a nice mix of teams with the Pelicans and the Pacers being there. Bucks are also a small market, but we have that star power now. So Bucks and Lakers, I think it's just a good mix. And the Pacers are a team that are going to take this extremely seriously. Tyrese Halliburton had his very first career triple-double in that game against the Celtics. And that man is just playing some outstanding basketball right now. Like He leads the league and assists, I believe, if things are still the way they looked when I saw him yesterday, last night. Uh, he has an exception for all the assists that he gets. He does not turn the ball over often either, which is the other piece with Tyrese. I believe he has a five to one assist to turnover ratio, which is fantastic. Like the Pacers are going to come to play. And I'm not sure what that environment is going to be like, but if there are people in that audience who are hoops fans and just looking for a good game and they get excited when, you know, it's high level basketball being played, hopefully the Pacers and the Bucks and then the or then the uh, Pelicans and the Lakers can provide that for them. Yeah, I, I think uh, the league is probably very hopeful that they get a Bucks lakers final. <laughs> that that's going to be uh, much easier to sell for a, a Saturday night to, hey, take a look at Anthony Davis and LeBron James facing Giannis and Damian Lillard to raise this first ever NBA Cup. Um, if you get the Pelicans and Pacers, you can already write the headlines of, of people taking to, to Twitter and wherever to say nobody's going to watch this game. But it's probably going to be a very compelling game with the product yeah. that you have on the court with those two teams. Pacers, we mentioned the offense, and it's just absurd what they're doing. So right now they would have the greatest offense in the history of the NBA. So would the Bucs. Uh, there's, what, four teams right now that it would eclipse what the Kings did last year, which eclipsed what the Mavericks did either the year before or two years prior. So we're in this period right now for probably the next three to five years that whoever has the top-rated offense is going to have the highest offense in the history uh, of the NBA, but the Pacers look for everything we've said. And I understand the difference is the expectations for these two teams, but for everything we've said about how elite the Bucks offense is and the yeah, buts is the defense. It's even more dramatic with the Pacers. Their offense has been better than the Bucks. They've been the best in the league by a wide margin too, but the defense has been historically bad. So as we've talked about the Bucks turning the corner offensively, this isn't going to be a game that's going to allow you to continue to get right defensively, but it should allow your offense to continue to move in that direction. It should. It should. And when I'm thinking about this matchup as well and the offense moving in the right direction, like we mentioned in the first matchup, the Bucs didn't have Damian Lillard. So uh, it's it's one of those things where you're like, dang, like the Bucs didn't have Dame, but they got a heavy dosage of Giannis. Like Giannis just was like, okay, I'm going to get more touches this game than normal. And I don't see anyone on that Pacers team that can really put up a, a good effort to stop that man from scoring. And that's a piece when you're looking at this Bucs team, it's kind of like, 
I expect the offense to kind of get ran through Giannis a bit because I don't see anyone on that Pacers team who can stop what he can do. You throw in the gravity that Dame can create as well, and we've seen it over the past few games in particular as well with Malik Beasley, how many attempts that he's been able to get from their gravity. And I'm excited for it. I'm really excited to watch this game. And it might just be because I'm a basketball like junkie, but it could be the fact that it's the Bucks playing. But thinking of two high-powered offenses going at each other, uh, it's it's exciting to see. And I know there are some purists and whatnot who are like, ah, where's the defense? I need some defense. But listen, it's it's fun to have a track meet every so often. And you pointed out the fact of how bad the Pacers defense has been. You saw in that Celtics game, they locked up a little bit in the end there. The Celtics went into that one-on-one, not moving the ball around offense. The Bucs keep moving the ball around. I just don't see how the Pacers can stop it. I believe that the Bucs should be able to get more stops down the line than what the Pacers can do. So that's a long way of saying, like, I expect the Bucs to win this matchup, but I don't think it's going to be easy at all. Yeah, and Giannis in that first matchup, it um, I was trying to to think I, like it had to have been the Pacers game, wasn't it? And, and sure enough, it was. But in that first matchup, um, the game it reminded me most was the game. And granted, they did not win against Indy, but they did this game. I'm going to reference was that game against the Blazers. I think it was the year they won the title in Portland, where it looked like Giannis tweaked his knee in warmups, and we weren't sure if he was going to play. Yeah, and then he. I think he finished 18 of 20 or 18 of 21 and had 40 plus points and was just a wrecking, a one man wrecking crew. And, and that's what we saw against the Pacers. No answers for him. 19 of 24 on his twos. And for as, as much as we can question, well, Bucks have been, you know, just okay defensively. How are they going to slow down the Pacers? How are the Pacers going to defend Giannis is, is the big question. And again, we didn't see Damian Lillard in that first matchup. And shortly after that game, was when Dame returned and Giannis was out. And that seemed to really help Damian Lillard get going and, and turn the corner, with, starting with that Raptors game where you started to see the ball movement and Dame starting to hit more of those shots. So this is certainly a much different Bucks team. It's probably a different Pacers team, but they've been fairly consistent uh, throughout the year. But this is a much different Bucks team than when these uh, two teams initially met earlier this season. Should be a fun one, and it's an early one too. So. It is a 4 o'clock Central Time tip, so we'll get to take in some afternoon basketball and to have the recap for you tomorrow, probably early evening. We'll, we'll be able to get that out there with a 4 o'clock tip-off, and hopefully we will be previewing a Bucks versus who knows finals in the first-ever NBA in-season tournament to raise uh, that banner and win the first-ever NBA Cup, although I probably shouldn't say this. I do want the Bucks to win. If they lost to the Pacers, we've had a lot of games. And if I had off Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I also (laughs) would not complain uh, with that. So it should be a fun one. Either way, we will have the recap for you on tomorrow's show and uh, hopefully some more Damian Lillard numbers and potentially Brooke Lopez numbers and what he's done to pour through as well. So that's coming your way tomorrow. For Camille, I'm Justin. We will talk to you tomorrow.